the darkness trembles before our feet because Jesus is here. God is on the throne. We want to welcome you here to Cream Ridge today. We'd like to see more of your faces. We're glad we can be here for you. We hope you enjoyed music this morning. And if you haven't taken time out to worship, please do. Put on a CD or DVD and spend a few minutes lifting up your voice to God. It's him, it's him that works in us. And um, we invite you to be here. Take a look at our website. Call us, look us up on Facebook. We'll have dates when we start our services back up. It's funny how you know where places are, but you never know what the numbers are. <laughs> Here at Cream Ridge, we're at 132 Cream Ridge Road, Lenore, Idaho, 83541. Our email is creamridgechurch at gmail.com. And we're at Facebook at Cream Ridge. I'm going to pray for our tithes and offerings. If you feel so led, please send a check. Support the ministries that, that provide to you. And just follow what God says in your heart. Again, we, we miss you. And we'd like to be with you. And we can be together through him. Jesus, we just give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor for all that we have. And because we have you, and where our trust is in you, your sovereign Lord, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is weird. <clears throat> so, good morning. Uh, thank you guys for joining us online this week as we try something we've never tried before, and that is to have a service that isn't in person, it's virtual, and that's, that's different, that's weird. And so forgive me if I'm a little bit nervous myself this morning as we go through uh, the sermon. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to teach today about something I taught, I actually looked at the date, it was in June of 2017. It was one of the first messages I shared here at Cream Ridge. And as I kind of prayed about what God would have me to uh, teach on today, um, I just kept coming back to this thought or this principle of joy and the importance of joy. And uh, I, I, I won't give a lot of voice to COVID-19, but what I have seen is that uh, it appears as though for some people that the thought of this 
this, this, this virus, um, however bad it, or good it may be, uh, whatever, it, it appears as though it stole some joy from some people. And, uh, and how I know that is because we react in fear when, when we don't experience joy, righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Uh, we react in fear. And so we see a lot of that, that fear reaction happening throughout, uh, throughout the country and throughout the world. But today I wanted to talk about the joy of our salvation and the joy that God has given us in our Christianity. And, and so what I want to start with is I want to start with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I like the way it's worded in this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. And it says, For you have cherished righteousness and detested lawlessness. For this reason God, your God, has anointed you and poured out the oil of joy on you more than any of your friends. And the reason that I wanted to read that out of the Passion Translation is because I, I like the way it's worded, but just so that way we keep it legal, we'll read it out of the English Standard also. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And what I want to talk about for just a second there is, is that this idea that you're not set above your companions like you're better than, right? You're set above in the sense that that because you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity or hated sin or hated lawlessness, what, what God has done is he's anointed you with the oil of gladness, Amen. right? He's anointed you with the oil of joy. And in that anointing with the oil of joy, what it does is it enables us to almost live in an alternate reality. And I, at this point in the recording, I don't know if, if our editing job worked or not. If it did, there was an amazing video just a second ago. And if there wasn't, then look on my Facebook page or on Cream Ridge's Facebook page, and you'll see a video of Jeremy Riddle a year ago uh, sharing about realities. And, and, uh, and, and the idea here, though, is that, that, that we almost live in an alternate reality in the sense that we know what's going on, like Jeremy talked about. We know what's going on in this reality, but we actually get to live in a higher reality. And so it says, let's look at it one more time. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy beyond your companions. Because why? You loved righteousness and you hated iniquity. Does that make sense? So because of that, you were anointed with oil. And, and it literally gives us the ability to do more or be more than everybody around us. And, and what I mean by that is that because he's anointed us with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy, we actually have the ability to change atmospheres as we walk into them. As we come in happy or not happy, because we're going to talk about that in a minute, happiness is not joy. We mix up those two words pretty frequently. Happiness is a byproduct of joy. But, but because we have joy, we are able to walk into a room and shift the atmosphere. Why? Because we've been anointed with that oil of, of gladness to where we're able to affect change where our friends cannot. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And again, this is out of the Passion. If you don't have the Passion translation, you can certainly look it up in any other translation. And it says the same thing, just sometimes in different words. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the verses and then the footnotes here because there's some study in this that I want to look at. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. That, that word fruit can actually be translated in the Greek as the word harvest. So that harvest produced by the Holy Spirit so it's not just the fruit, but it's actually what, what the Holy Spirit, what God is con convinced or, or, or expecting us to, to do or to produce because he expects to harvest it, are these things. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. That word kindness in Aramaic is the word sweetness. So it's not just being kind, but it's actually being sweet. So I'm, I got that one. <laughs> Thank you. A life full of virtue or goodness. If you want to not say virtue there, you can say goodness. It can, it can be translated either way. Faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Now, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And I felt like even though this was part of the original sermon from 2017, I, I thought how fitting today as we in Idaho are just following the advice of our governor, but in some states it's mandated that the, the people we have in this room right now are the max amount of people we can have in a room and, and what it says is not to disobey the law, but it says that the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit, and never set the law above these qualities. See, we can't gather together right now, but we never set the law above the qualities of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It doesn't matter if we're a group of 10 or a group of 8 or a group of 5,000. We should never set anything above the fruit of the Spirit. But what I, what I find interesting in life as, as life has gone on and, and sometimes I see more of it, sometimes I see less of it, but, but in this passage of Galatians 5.22, it says that joy that overflows. And so as Christians, I've been a Christian most of my life. Uh, I gave my heart to the Lord initially when I was nine and, uh, and have followed really off and on my whole life. And... Uh, there's, there's been some more offs than ons, but I've, I've, I've followed the Lord most of my life. And what I've found in myself, but, but mainly in those pillars in the church, right? The, you know, you can always find the pillars because they're cranky. 
they're old and they're all cracked and they're cranky, right? And so when you, just like a pillar. And so when you go to church and, and you just give your heart to the Lord and you're so excited and you're so on fire for Jesus and, and, and one of those pillars says, just give it some time. Your zeal will die off and you'll be like the rest of us. Bless their heart. I was excited like you once, but that's not what this is. But that's not really true, is it? Because it says the fruit of the Spirit is joy that overflows. But oftentimes what we see is old, older Christians or Christians who have been long, Christians longer tend to be less joyful. They tend to be less, let's just go through it, peaceful. They tend to be less patient. They tend to be less kind. I know this, uh, all of these from people. I, I, when I say these, these words, I, I think of people in my past that, that have, have been the pillars that um, didn't, didn't show necessarily all this. They should have a, a, a more of a life of virtue. They should have a gentleness of heart, a strength of spirit. But most of the time what we get are cranky old men and women who just tell you to just wait it out and eventually your zeal will die down. But that's not how it's supposed to work. See, in a vineyard or in, a, in an orchard, when we plant fruit trees, we have a fruit tree, an apple tree, that's 25 years old and we have an apple tree that's one year old. Which tree is supposed to produce more fruit? The 25-year-old. See, from, from a natural perspective, things that are older should actually be performing better than the ones that are brand new. So the zeal, the excitement, the, 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 the go get them for Jesus attitude should actually be growing in us as we get older in the faith instead of letting it dwindle away and, oh, that's for the young ones right? I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. I can check out. That's not what we do. Not what we're supposed to do. See, an old fruit tree should produce more fruit than a young fruit tree. So when, when somebody comes in and gets saved, they have all this fruit starting to bubble up. Most of it will never get ripe, right? Because they're just young, and, and they don't understand quite how to, they're not fully mature yet, but they start sprouting fruit. And our job is to come around them. See, in, in, a, in a forest, the older trees act as a covering for the younger trees to be able to grow up to a place where they can safely stand on their own. But what we do as Christians is we say, go get them. Don't go get them while you're still excited because someday, Monty, that's just going to peter on out. The reality is, is if you're a grumpy Christian, if you don't produce joy, if you aren't producing patience, if you aren't producing peace, if you aren't producing virtue, you're out of touch with the reality of heaven. You've lost your connection somewhere. 
Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what that's saying is, is that the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be this place where there is no grumpiness. There isn't. You can't have joy and criticalness in the same place. But the problem is, and this is, I think, where the church has fallen off the joy wagon, is that we confuse joy with happiness. And we think that to be joyful, we must be happy all the time. And that's not true. It's not true at all. Um, Donna who is no longer with us, but she's in heaven now. She, she shared a story one time during this sermon, as a matter of fact. And, and what she shared was that, that the ocean, when you're in the ocean, underneath the surface of the water, there's always a current moving, right? And so that current moves, and, and, and that's, how, how, that's how whatever things happen in the ocean happens, um, tides come in, tides come out, all those things, right? Sometimes there's very strong currents and we've got to be careful when we swim because it can grab us and pull us away. Joy is that undercurrent, that current underneath the water. We can't see it, but we can certainly feel it if we're in the water. But on top of the water, oftentimes we'll find bubbles, right? Where the water's been churned and there's bubbles. Those bubbles represent happiness, it's a byproduct of the joy that's underneath, but it's not joy. There's many places in the ocean where a current is going and there's no bubbles. There's no happiness there. But it doesn't mean that there's no joy present. It means that that's just not the place for joy or for happiness, right? There's other attributes of joy, and we're going to talk about that for just a couple of minutes. And this won't be a long message because there's five people in the room and, and, and I know what it's like to sit in front of a video online. So we're going to go relatively quickly. But let's look at a couple of scriptures. Rome, or I'm sorry, Romans. Psalms chapter 30. Almost there. Okay, Psalms chapter 30, verse 4 and 5. Oh, sing and make melody, you steadfast lovers of God. Give thanks to him every time you reflect on his holiness. I've learned that his anger lasts for, his mo for a moment, but his loving favor lasts for a lifetime. We may weep through the night, but at daybreak, it will turn into shouts of ecstatic joy. I love that, that chapter in the English standard, it says, says it this way. It says, sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So what it promises us in that passage is that we, it doesn't promise us that there will be no hard times, it, right? It says that God's anger will last for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime, right? So we know that there may be some not so good, but we know the promise that good is coming. 
And then it says, weeping may last for the night, but there's a promise that joy will come in the morning. Joy is always coming. If you're not experiencing joy, it's coming. It's coming. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, My brothers, count it all joy, for the testing of your, your uh, faith produces patience. Right? Or it says that, it says to count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, that's the first part. I knew I was missing something. It wasn't quite clicking. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into these various trials. For the testing of your faith produces patience. And it goes on from there. It's a beautiful chapter. But, but how amazing is that that, it, that, that? that he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials. I don't. I don't fall. I don't count it joy. I have to remind myself to count it joy. I don't count it joy. When, when I fall into an issue, when something doesn't go the way I want it to, I don't count it joy all the time. Sometimes I count it, feel sorry for myself because that's not the way I planned it, right? And the fact of the matter is, is that it says count it all joy for, for the testing of your faith produces patience. Judges, you can look at this later. Judges chapter 13 through chapter 16 talks about Samson. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Samson's hair was his strength, correct? So there's lots of commentary about what that means. It might be his pride was his strength. It might be lots of things. But, but biblically speaking, it says that Samson's hair was his strength. And he did everything he could do to protect his hair for a long period of time. Because he knew that was the source of his strength correct? And so Samson goes about his life and, and he, lo- he, he, he fights the Philistines and he does all this great stuff. And then he meets a woman and she basically straps him to a chair and she cuts his hair and he loses his strength. He, and he let her do it. I mean, really, there's a whole conversation in chapter, I think it's chapter 16 about it. And, uh, and, and I heard this said once, and it just has stuck with me for several years now, that if we protected our joy the way Samson was supposed to protect his hair, nothing could stop us. Because, see, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So Samson found his strength in his hair, right? And so he needed to protect that hair in order to maintain his strength. We find our strength in the joy of the Lord. And if we find our strength in the joy of the Lord, we should be doing everything in our power to protect that joy. And if we protect that joy the way Samson was supposed to protect his hair, nothing would ever be impossible for us. But what I found in my life is that it doesn't take much for me to let somebody cut my hair. It might be that I ran out of money a week before payday. It might be that my day didn't go the way I planned it to go. Oftentimes, I, I, 
I, it throws me off. I love schedules. I love my schedule. I love, I hate my schedule sometimes, but I love my schedule in the sense that my schedule is my schedule. And I know what's coming next. And I love that I know what's coming next. Part of the reason why this whole thing is, is, is weird for me is that I don't know what's coming next, right? We don't know. And so uh, because I don't know what's coming next, sometimes it throws off and my hair gets cut and I lose my joy. Sometimes it's just a side comment that somebody makes as they walk past me. And then my wife has to remind me, don't let that steal your joy. And I'm like, oh, it's stolen. It's gone. It's gone. Um, I would like to get it back, actually. So uh, what we have to do is we have to protect our joy the way Samson should have protected his hair. And once we do that, you guys, nothing, I know I've said it this the third time, Nothing will be impossible for us. Amen. Nothing. Because I can do all good things through Christ who what? Strengthens, Strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. So if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and the strength is found in the joy of the Lord, if we maintain the joy of the Lord, I can do all things right. through Christ. Amen. Now, that does not mean that I can, you know, fly right i think there has to be a purpose behind like like someone asked me the other day well it says that if you have the faith size of a mustard seed you can move move mountain how come you haven't moved any mountains like because i don't really see a purpose in moving mountains i can drive over them right i think there has to be a purpose behind behind what i'm asking god to do because he's not um he's he's not a parlor magician that just does things just for the fun of it but what he will do is he will give us the strength to do what he's told us to do what he's asked us to do but the thing that I want to close with is and honestly this is my favorite part of this whole sermon is the reasons that we laugh because because laughter is key I remember and I'm really surprised that I'm going to say this uh, on video but I remember a previous church that I went to and a staff member of the previous church that I went to, we walked into the building that was our church at the time. And uh, it, was, it was not a nice building. And we walked in to get ready for worship practice and this half of the roof had caved in. And we were like, okay, everyone's sitting over there today. And this staff member who will remain nameless for the sake of the internet said, you know what? Let's laugh at that. And I was like, let's what? And he goes, let's laugh at that. And I'm always up for whatever, so I'm like, okay. So he points at it, and he says, enemy, you are not going to disrupt this service today. And he's just, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. But I did it. And here's what I can tell you. First of all, some people left. Actually, people left the church because of it. And that's 
is what it is. It wasn't, they weren't comfortable. They found a home that they were comfortable in. Um, that was a little bit too weird for me. It was right, or for them, it was right on the edge for me, but I did it anyway. And here's what I learned. What I learned was, is that whether it was something in the atmosphere or something in me, that changed something right then. And that service was one of the most powerful services I've ever been in. Not because we laughed at a ceiling, but because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we chose to do an outward sign of, of what joy should look like. Amen. And then I learned this. There are three types, there's more, but I'm going to talk about three types of animals in the animal kingdom who laugh. And the first one I'm going to talk about comes from Australia. It's called the kookaburra. Kookaburra is a bird, okay? And they laugh. It's quite a hideous laugh. Google it. You're already on the internet, so Google it. It's not the most beautiful sound in the world, but they laugh. And the reason that they laugh is to establish territory. So what they do is they'll get in a tree that they want to live in and they'll start to laugh. <laughs> not like that, but I can't make their noise. And they'll start to laugh. And what they're doing is telling every other kookaburra around, this is my tree, stay out. The second kind of animal that we're going to talk about that laughs is a hyena. And what a hyena does is they actually travel in packs. And in that pack of hyenas, what they'll do is they'll go and they'll find their prey, whatever it is, a, 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 an antelope or whatever, a hippo, whatever they're going to kill. And they, what they do is they surround the hippo or the prey and they all begin to laugh. And what happens is, is that confuses their enemy because it can't figure out where the noise is coming from. And frankly, it's not appropriate to laugh right now. I'm about to die. And why is everybody laughing? And oh my gosh. And then they pounce and they kill. And then the third animal that laughs is the woodpecker. Think of Woody the woodpecker, right? <laughs> right? But really the reason he laughs is a sound of intimacy. It's actually a mating call for the females. So they'll call out through laughter and the female woodpeckers will come and they, and during mating season and they'll mate and they'll have babies. Now, if we apply those principles to us, there are three reasons why we should have joy or we should laugh in the kingdom of heaven. The first one is to establish our territory. See, when that ceiling fell and we pointed and we laughed, it had nothing to do with the laughter and everything to do with telling the enemy, not today, devil, I'm going to laugh in the face of what looks like a very inconvenient happening. And then the second reason that we wanted to laugh in that moment and possibly in this moment today with COVID-19 is to confuse our enemy. If we, if we laugh in the face of, of, of pandemic, the enemy does not know what's going, why are you laughing? You all should be not laughing. This is not funny. This is not funny. I'm suppo you're supposed to be scared. Why are you, why are you laughing? And we confuse our enemy. And then that's the point that we go in and we bind that enemy. And it says whatever is bound on heaven will be bound on earth. Or whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so the third reason, though, is not just to mess up the enemy. But it's also a song of intimacy to Jesus. When we laugh in the face of adversity, and it doesn't mean that when your coworker walks up to you and says, you're an idiot, you go, ha, 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 that's disrespectful. We don't do that. But what we do is a spiritual move of, I choose joy. And sometimes it is laughing. 
Sometimes it is. There's been moments in my life since the day of the roof that something bad has happened in, our, in my family or in my life and, and it looks like things are going downhill and I will just laugh at it. Why? Because we know that it confuses our enemy. And there's actually biblical precedents for this. It, it says in the book of Psalms, I can't tell you where right now, but it says in the book of Psalms, that God sits in the heavens and he laughs. How amazing. That what I believe is one of the keys of us, of us transitioning through whatever the next week, coming weeks, months, or years, years lead to is never losing our joy. It does not mean we lose sight of this reality, the reality that COVID-19 is spreading right now through the United States. It's happening, and through the world, through the Philippines, through, through Italy, through France, through, through the world. All those things are happening, China. But what else is happening? The church is rising up. The church is beginning to step out. The church is beginning to say, nope, nope, nope. We're going to move forward. I have many, many friends who are doing exactly what we're doing tonight, they're, today. They're, we're, 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 we're broadcasting our services because now we're getting creative of what's that going to look like. Not because we want just to preach, but because we want the good news to be out there. But that doesn't stop there. It continues on. What do you need? Call me and tell me and I will help you. I will hook you up with resources. I will be there for you. I will pray with you. I, if you're quarantined, I'll pray through your door. It's going to happen. You guys, here's the deal. We as the church, yes, the world is beginning to fill with fear. But what I'm seeing is the church begin to rise up in a place of fearlessness. See, A.W. Tozer said this. He said that a fearful world needs a fearless church, and I'm beginning to see that rise up. Why? Because we choose joy. So today, choose joy. Amen. Because it confuses our enemy. It establishes our territory. It's our strength. And it's a love song to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to choose joy in the midst of adversity, Father. In the midst of, of, of the unknown, Father, we know this, that your mercies are new every morning. Father, we know that, that weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Father, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And today, Father, we ask that you would remind us of your joy that you would reveal to us your joy. That we would protect our joy the way Samson should have protected his hair. And Father, I thank you that in that moment, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen.